There's been a number of uh, television programs on in the past few months um, which have uh, reminded us of that uh, space shuttle disaster. Remember Challenger in 1986 that just 90 or so seconds after it had taken... I'm a space freak. I love anything to do with space. Uh, and, and 90 seconds or so after it had taken off, uh, it, uh, there was a catastrophe and the whole thing exploded, uh, uh, killing the seven astronauts on board. At the memorial service for those astronauts, President Ronald Reagan quoted a line from a sonnet by John Gillespie, which is called High Flight. And as he referred to the astronauts' eternal destiny, President Reagan quoted this line. Oh, I have slipped the surly bonds of earth and put out my hand and touched the face of God. Now, it's very beautiful poetry. And it's the way in which Gillespie could express the closeness of heaven and earth. But if you look closely, there is still a gap. I have slipped the surly bonds of earth and gone to another place in order to touch the face of God. That implies that there is still a distance. It was so relevant, of course, for uh, a rocket ship disaster. It suggests, though, that God is not totally with the people of his creation, which is different, of course, to the reading from John chapter 1. So we need to go deeper into that. And today we're asking, can we be so close to heaven and to those we've loved and lost while we still live in this messy old world? Well, now the short answer is, you and I know that we say so. We say yes, we can. Not only that, but throughout the year, quite apart from Christmas, we sing about it. Love divine, all love's excelling. What's the next line? Joy of heaven to earth come down. Still implies a bit of a distance, but it's bringing God nearer. Or the song God's love to me is wonderful has that verse, when mists of doubt encompass me, I hold my, that's getting nearer, isn't it? I hold my Father's hand. And then there's that uh, chorus which says, Open our eyes, Lord, we want to see Jesus, to reach out and touch him and say that we love him. John 1.14 brings it even closer. And here is on the screen that line, The word became human and made his home among us. As I said earlier, I'd like to remind you of the Celtic phrase, thin places. In its essence, a thin place is the place that everybody would love to seek. A place to touch the face of the eternal. A place to touch the face of the divine. A place to touch those we have loved and lost. An old Celtic saying suggested that heaven and earth were less than three feet apart. Well, that's correct, but it's incorrect because we are far closer than that. Searching people went to the island of Iona and they said that that's the place where they would experience heaven. 
Iona still today is seen as a thin place, a place where there is the thinnest of veils. There is something about Iona that draws us very, very close to the eternal. But we can't have any doubt about this because with great clarity 2,000 years ago, it actually happened. An ordinary backyard became the ground on which heaven visibly met with earth. But how often do we take to imbibe this, to reflect on it? You look at your life, your daily timetable, your daily commute, your daily work life, your Salvation Army activities. Where is the time to connect with heaven in the midst of a frenetic, technology-controlled, terror-fighting, and now Brexit-dominated 21st century? Where is quality space? On Pentecost Sunday, I spoke about building a campfire and the need to leave spaces for the air, for the movement, the spirit, to, to, to allow something from beyond us to flow through and nurture the flame. And this is one reason why we're really um, concentrating on, on the importance of small group together so we can come together and actually, apart from a Sunday, come as a small group and get near to a place of divine through the reading of the Word, through our discussion, through prayers together. Because we can reinvest ourselves in something other than this. And so thin places would barely cross the mind with any seriousness. In last year's light service, I said that when we've lost someone dear to us, there is still a flame in the heart that never goes out. If only we could just find that place to stretch out and touch their faces and once more say, I love you. If only we could do that. The burden of grief can do two things. It can either draw us away from those thin places, because the grief is so heavy, or it can draw us to them. I want to show you a picture here. This is a very powerful picture. It's a sculpture by a lady called Celeste Roberg. The weight of grief. There's a power in that, do you think? Isn't that what it feels like? Your whole body weighed down? Human being crouching, full of weight and full of burden. The weight of grief. You can almost touch that heaviness. You can nearly sense the paralysis in that posture. It's a representation of one who appears to be in the very center of a deep personal crisis. But grief and thin places have something in common. The experience of both can occur at any time or place. Sometimes at the same moment and sometimes when we least expect them. So there we were, Carolyn and I were in the office three weeks ago and I was getting my thoughts together for this message. We were sitting in the office in there. 
I was typing away. And I said something to Carolyn, and I didn't get an answer. I mean, that does happen quite a lot, if I'm honest. And, uh, I'm, and I just looked at her, and I could sense something. And I, I, said, I said, are you okay? And her words to me were, as I was typing, her words to me were, I was typing, she was typing. But she says, I was in another place. She had a really close moment with both her parents who passed away in the past year. A really close moment came unexpectedly. And she didn't know that I was typing this sermon. And so I stopped. And I wasn't going to say this, but I just wrote in my notes, in brackets, and Penny will verify it because she's got a copy of my text here. In brackets, Carolyn, I've got it. Say it now. Because I was typing about this very thing when she felt that incredible closeness unexpectedly at this point in the sermon preparation. Unexpected moments of the extraordinary touching the ordinary. But imagine what would happen when we purposely look to touch heaven. We purposely go to those places, those Ionas. We take a pilgrimage to go deeper. Do we find time to do that? Do we do that often enough? The Celtic tradition suggests that a thin place is any place of transition, a doorway, a gate, a seashore, the beach, wherever. Places where very little movement will take you from one place to another. And the more we invest in this, in our daily life, in our prayers, the more we invest in our spiritual journey, the more we will find ourselves standing on ground that touches the divine. This is what we call holy ground. Now, I've spoken about this and I now need to go to the Bible to get my authority on this for you, don't I? And it will help clarify our thinking. The thin place of holy ground. The first example I want to give you is in the Moses story. Moses and the people of Israel are traveling through Egypt. They create a physical space for the worship of Yahweh. And that space, you'll know, that place that they made was called the tabernacle, a tent that they took with them. Exodus 40, verse 38. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud, so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. The thin place was found through all that pilgrimage, that journey, that transition from captivity to freedom. They did moan. You read, they did, have a, they did have a good old moan a number of times. You read about that. But nevertheless, the key thing, they were human for goodness sake, but they did search that thin place. Every day, the tabernacle was built wherever they were. It was a thin, holy place. And so that the ground on which they worshipped was always holy ground. And the clouds symbolized the presence of God. And so in its essence, heaven 
touched earth. Now, the second biblical example I want to bring to you is from the book of Daniel, chapter 3. This is unusual to say the least. And we don't have to worry about that. There's Daniel and three men, three very strong, fit, good-looking men. It says, I'm not making this up, it says in the Bible. The king had said to Daniel, I want you to serve me. You're a good guy. I want you to look after me. I want you to worship the God I worship. And Daniel said, oh, hang on a minute. I'm not sure I'm going to worship the God you worship. So the king told Daniel to go and find three men who would accompany Daniel and would worship the king, uh, the, the God that the king wanted him to worship. So Daniel went and got these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their names were changed through, through the book of Daniel. You have to look at the background. There's so much, so many visions in this book that we can learn from. And maybe one day I'll do a series on Daniel and all the visions and what we can pick up for them, what, the, what they can mean for us today. But here we've got, suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement, exclaimed to his advisors, um, oh, I haven't told you the first bit yet. So he said, to the, he said to Daniel and the three men, Daniel, I want you to stay with me, but I want these three men to worship the God that I worship. And Daniel said, we will not worship the God that you worship because he's not the God of all. He's not the God of creation. He's not the God of Moses. He's not the God of Israel. You want us to worship your God, your false God. And so Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego say, no, we won't do it. So the king orders a furnace to be built and a furnace to be lit and for its temperature to really be risen, to, to rise high so that it would be the hottest it had ever been. And so the king's men did that. And he, he asked for his strongest soldiers to do that. So he got his strongest soldiers, they, they lit this thing and then the king said, I want you to throw those three men, he kept Daniel, I want you to throw Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego into the fire. So these strong, burly centurions picked these three men up and threw them into the fiery furnace. It was so hot that these men, these, these centurions actually died themselves, they, they perished. And yet you've got this story. Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in that fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. So Nebuchadnezzar got his advisors to have a look. His soldiers had perished. But there were these three men that he'd thrown in there who actually stood up and walked out. Not only that, he said, there's a fourth man in there. Who's that? Looks like a god. Looks like a god. Who's that fourth man? Scholars will come up with a number of different suggestions. Some suggest that this is Jesus in the midst of it. We'll come back to that in just a moment, if we can. The three men stepped out of the fire. The lesson from the story is that even in the maelstrom of a catastrophic life-death situation, there became a thin place. In the fire was a fourth person 
who looked like a god. The location of the center of the crisis became a place where these men somehow stood on holy ground. If the holy God is found there, he can be found anywhere. Whatever that fourth person was, let's say to ourselves, it's a mystery. But we do know that somehow a thin place was found, and at the very crisis, the fire of the biggest problem anybody can face, there was hope. In that grief, there was hope. In that grief, someone appeared and rescued them. And then the third example says, the, the, it's about the death of Jesus uh, in Luke 23. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands and with those words he breathed his last three applications my friends three applications first is this the thin place will be found when we seek it as in Moses and the Israelites and the tabernacle the thin place can be found when we seek it second application let's acknowledge there is a mystery as in Daniel there is a mystery, yet in the fire of the crisis, however big our grief, our crisis comes, there is a mystery about it all. But somehow in the middle, there is a way through. Someone who is like a God, a God. And the third application says that at the very end, the very crucifixion experience, there is a resurrection hope. All three of those stories are about heaven and earth coming together. God's hands deemed to receive the Spirit of Christ. And here is the presence of God at the very moment of crisis. Or is it transition? The being of God, the parent, owns his hands, opens himself to receive his loved one. Father-like, he tends and spares us. Well, our feeble frame, he knows. Calvary becomes holy ground, a place of transition where God is. We know we can't touch the physical face of God. We can't touch our loved ones. But as spiritual people who believe that the essence of our loved ones, we believe that the essence of our loved ones are totally at one with God, united with God. The divine. We call it being in heaven, in the kingdom of heaven. John 1 tells us that Christ came as God's reason, joy of heaven to earth come down. The theologian Karl Barth speak of, spoke of their being of a man in heaven, a man, one who was like us. Now his spirit taken to God in, in heaven. Scarred man in heaven. There is a man in heaven. And so the heavenly walks among us. In the ordinariness of the office, the mystery of the cloud, the heat of the fiery crisis, we don't feel fearful of taking time to be quiet, prayerful, worshipful, silent, because in those times we can find we're touching the divine. 
by the Holy Spirit, you'll at least come closer to an eternal understanding of life, of death, and of life again. N.T. Wright says this, Those in whom the Spirit comes to live are God's new temple. They are individually and corporately places where heaven and earth meet. And that thin place is discovered. If it happened in a dusty, unassuming backyard of an inn, it can and actually does happen anywhere. The thinnest of veils between the natural and the supernatural world. So those we have loved and lost are nearer than we comprehend because the distance has been covered. I asked the worship group, I asked Carl to play in the offering away in a manger because, as he said, the third verse says this, bless all the dear children in thy tender care. We often think of children as being the little ones, don't we? Can you look at that and understand? Look at these words from Galatians 3, 26, 27. We are all children of God. Next time you sing away in a manger, remember that. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care. This was another insight from Carolyn when we were talking, I must admit that. Not my idea, that one. It's an insight. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who've been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Beautiful scripture. So I finally want to go back to the weight of grief. Remember that sculpture? The sculptor said that she doesn't mind how the sculpture is interpreted. But of the figure, she said... I imagine her in the process of rising up from her crouching position when she is ready. Still bears heavily, but there is, there is a future. We walk on. Jesus, the word made flesh, crossed from heaven to earth, bridged the gap between God and humankind forever which means that today we can all walk boldly and approach this holy God. In this messy world, there is unparalleled hope for humankind that cannot be destroyed. We have the assurance of the one who walked and walks with us today, Jesus, the Word made flesh. The eternal kingdom is here. Take time to discover it more and more and more deeply. I pray that we might do that in the coming year together. Amen. Amen.